You're not giving me easy questions, man. I thought we're going to start with some casual conversations about, you know, uh, marketing and what, what B2B SaaS companies typically need. <laughs> nope, you know, I'm so. jumping in. We're going for it. <laughs> You're going for it. <laughs> Welcome to episode nine of B2B SaaS Marketing Snacks. Today's a little bit different. Sign is in Germany with one of our clients and we're a little bit asynchronous. So I sent him a question, had him respond, and he sent the response back. And today we talked about CAC, uh, customer acquisition cost, and the best ways to calculate that. And then also some of the metrics that revolve around that for calculating marketing's impact on the business. So here it is. All right, Stein, here's a question for you. So once companies start investing in marketing, it isn't long before they ask questions about the best ways to calculate marketing's impact on the business. And and one of the first calculations we look to for this is CAC, or your cost to acquire a customer, customer acquisition cost. But there are a bunch of different ways you can calculate CAC based on your goals and, and what variables you want to include or exclude. And so it can pretty quickly become a complicated metric and topic in general. So I would love to get your thoughts and your approach to calculating CAC and in your opinion, a few other good calculations for applying revenue metrics to, to the, the marketing function, the marketing's impact on the business. And then also maybe how you can use CAC together with the revenue waterfall model to, to kind of forecast how, how marketing impacts the bottom line and, and helps you create budgets, calculate ROI and, and set targets for, for funnel figures. What does it actually uh, mean for marketing? Customer acquisition cost, of course, implies all the costs that go into acquiring a customer for a business. And when you're in the marketing team, you're the marketing leader, um, you influence a big part of that. Um, not everything, not you know the sales cost maybe, um, but there are probably other costs involved, like you know, <laughs> paying the rent for your building uh, that houses your marketing team and your sales team. So there's this question, does your customer acquisition cost have to be all encompassing, including sales and marketing cost and a, a little bit of overhead? from the rest of the cost of running the business? Or is it more appropriate to use your direct uh, spend, the things that you can control every day uh, to calculate your customer acquisition cost? I think you need to do both, uh, but both have very different, um, different purposes. You need to have an all up customer acquisition cost as a business to allow you to do revenue planning, profitability planning, to have a, you know, a conversation with your investors about what will it take for your business to become profitable. Right? Customer acquisition costs are a big part of uh, another calculation that is often referred to as the months to recover the customer acquisition cost, which allows you to say, hey, if I, uh, get a new customer, this is how long it takes for the revenue that that customer will generate to make up for that initial investment. Uh, MRC, Months to Recover CAC, is an is a, is a acronym that sometimes is used. And that is often based on LTV, the lifetime value of a customer, 
So if you know what the lifetime value of a customer is, it means you have made some assumptions on how long customers stay with you, right? Based on churn data and what they spend uh, on average, right? The ARPU, the average revenue per unit, where unit could be a customer, could be an account, could be a user, could be a device. But those two metrics, the ARPU, the average revenue per unit and the churn, how long those units, those customers stay with you, give you the LTV, the lifetime value of a customer that can be either done in revenue. Um, sometimes it's already um, calculated as a profitability number, which means someone made some assumptions around the cost to service these customers. And that's then uh, going to include this other number that we, that we started to talk about, CAC, customer acquisition cost, right? That is part of the cost to service them. Um, you also need to get the customer, then you need to service them. So those often get combined to calculate profitability. So if you do all this for your investors to get your all up you know, business plan together, then customer acquisition cost usually should include your marketing cost, your sales cost, your team, the people spend, the benefits, the salaries, etc. And of course, the discrete marketing spend. That's helpful, right? For, for business planning, for your, if you want to raise money, if you have to report to your board of directors, all those um, uh, require you to do it like that. But then when you think of the marketing team that you run every day, that you need to hold accountable to constant improvements and to optimize for you know, more effective marketing, more efficient spend of marketing dollars, that broader CAC calculation is not that helpful because they don't influence most of those um, elements. They might influence them, but they definitely don't influence them on a short-term um, time window. So what I usually want to have as well is the customer acquisition component that is made up of the discrete marketing spend that the team has control over on a weekly or monthly basis. Your Google ad spend, the spend that you uh, have with your vendors, things that you can easy uh, dial up and down with a relative short um, lead time, right? If you include the salaries of your team in your customer acquisition cost, of course you can optimize your team and you should as a marketing leader, but you're not going to fire and hire people on a weekly or a monthly basis. And for your monthly and short-term you know, optimization, it's really helpful to have customer acquisition cost broken down in the what I would call the discretionary day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month spend and the part of the customer acquisition cost that's more, you know, planned on an annual basis. That's, I think, an important uh, notion, sort of think of CAC in those two ways, the long-term all-encompassing CAC that's helpful for investors and for board reports and for your business planning, and the short-term CAC that is more, you know, focused on discrete marketing spend that you can use to manage your team on a day-to-day basis. Then there's another big question mark when you want to turn this into what's often referred to as a revenue waterfall model some kind of spreadsheet where you show if i get so many leads and they convert at this rate to mqls and 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 we needed so many visitors to get to this number of leads and then of course those mqls will have conversion rates to opportunities and those will convert to customers at a certain you know rate 
customers that spend a certain amount of money with you, right? An average contract value or ARPU. Then you can calculate how many leads you need, how many visitors on the website you need, etc., to drive that dollar number, that bottom line impact. The main variable there that is really challenging often is the time that it takes to go from someone visiting your website to becoming a lead, to becoming an MQL, to becoming an opportunity, and then ultimately becoming a customer, right? Is that, is that weeks, is it months? The conversion rates are typically relatively easy to, to get. Once you have good marketing automation and good data, then getting the conversion rates with sort of, you know, an average estimate based on your historic uh, pipeline is pretty doable. But the time that it takes to go from a, a visitor or a lead to an actual customer, it's often a crapshoot, right? You ask your sales team, they will typically tell you it goes faster than what you actually find in the data. If you think of you know, pitching investors on a to raise money, um, sometimes the, the deal speed is exaggerated a little bit because it helps you with the valuation of the company. Um, and then when you do your own realistic planning as to how, how many leads do you need, how many MQLs to drive a certain amount of customers in a certain time frame, then you have to be careful that you don't, um, that you don't paint a too rosy picture, right? If it takes three, four months for a lead to become a customer, then if you if you put one month into your revenue projection model, you're gonna be running behind a red number on your dashboard for a while. So this is very important, right? That once you do proper planning, uh, that this number is, is really gonna look different <laughs> when you have a different sort of purpose. If you want to raise capital, you're driving up your valuation. Maybe there are people looking different at this number than when you have to put a realistic marketing budget and marketing plan together. The other part of this is the churn number, right? That's another number that sometimes when I engage with customers um, looks very different than the investor pitch uh, than when you actually look at the real the real day-to-day -day business. SaaS companies, B2B SaaS companies, get very high valuations because churn numbers are typically low, especially when they service enterprise customers. Churn numbers will be in the low single digits, right? One, two, three, four percent of churn on an annual basis, which means these customers theoretically stay with these businesses for 10, 15 years, right? Which has drives huge lifetime values of these customers. The reality is, though, that even if your churn numbers on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis are extremely low, that the, the timeline that you can count on beyond five years is pretty hard to really prove, right? If you think of your software evolving, you know, there might be an M&A transaction at some point in the future, your customers may get acquired by others. Um, so churn numbers that are very uh, low drive these valuations of customers staying with you longer than six, seven, eight years. I always find them very suspect because businesses would just change so much over that course of time. So I think from a marketing, you know, revenue modeling perspective, um, when I see 
churn data that is so low that is used often for uh, valuation and for investment um, conversations. I tr I always bring them back a little bit. I, I I like to put my churn numbers at a level that counts on these customers being with us for seven eight years at the most, and and then that's uh, I think a healthy sort of buffer <laughs> to plan against. Thank you.